the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky team, Mr. Sam. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome back, everybody, as we uh, roll into the second hour of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. We're going to shift gears and talk about uh, something that I, as much as I'm not crazy about the phrase breaking news, it kind of is. (laughs) It wasn't originally until uh, the FBI moved into uh, Mar-a-Lago here just in the last day or so, and uh, we're going to talk about um, whether or not there are charges coming for the former president Donald Trump with uh, uh, an attorney, a uh, white-collar trial lawyer from New York who is also 
let me see if I get this right, um, a former assistant U.S. attorney for the Department of Justice. He uh, joins me by phone. His name is uh, Kevin O'Brien. Kevin, good morning and welcome to the show. Hi, Tom. Thanks for, thanks for having me. One of the things that's come up a lot on my political roundtable, which happens every, uh, every Wednesday, is um, talking about whether or not the uh, select committee on the events of January 6th, 2021 from the House of Representatives would make a, uh, a recommendation to the Justice Department um, with regard to charges against the president. And... Um, I, I just do they need to do that in order for the DLG to um, move forward with charges, or is that just a recommendation they can make? It's mostly the latter, Tom. They they, they can uh, make what's called a referral, and and they sometimes do in these situations. Although this is a, an unusual case in many ways, but. The Department of Justice doesn't need a referral in order to move forward. They can, they can move forward based on their own uh, review of the evidence and a determination as to whether or not there's probable cause to believe a crime has been committed. They don't need to wait for a referral from any congressional committee. Now, I was under the impression, and I think a lot of people were, that the former president was facing some charges in and around New York that that may not have been related to his presidency and that he was spending a lot of time in Mar-a-Lago, yet he was not at Mar-a-Lago when the FBI moved in and started seizing records and searching and so on when they exercised the warrant they had, which I want to ask you about in a moment. Sure. Um, and and he was in New York. Uh, people have been speculating that he was avoiding New York. What is the status of, of his uh, um, legal trouble in New York? Well, there was a, a case, a criminal case, that uh, for a while um, gathered a lot of headlines because there were several well-publicized litigations about the ability to enforce a subpoena against him. And, and those investigations were brought by the district attorney of Manhattan, which is a state uh, position, not to be confused with the Department of Justice, which is federal. But at the end of the day, um, the new uh, DA in Manhattan decided that the evidence didn't warrant a prosecution, and the uh, and the uh, decision was made at that time not to go forward. Now, he claims he's still looking at evidence, and uh, he's keeping an open mind, and the case might go forward based on new evidence that they might uncover in the future. But to date, uh, it appears to be quiet. So for the time being, uh, that's not a threat to uh, Trump. Kevin, there have been um, people speculating as to whether or not uh, President Biden would um, pardon the former president, um, much much like uh, Gerald Ford did for Richard Nixon um, back in the 70s. 
is it is it likely there there are some people who say they think it would be very bad for the country if a president actually ended up facing charges and potentially jail time um what do you think is is likely to happen there? Because there really isn't any precedent for this, is there? Right, there isn't a precedent. And I should point out, we're a, a long way uh, from that road. Uh, several things have to happen. First of all, there has to be an indictment. <laughs> that doesn't stop people on Fox and CNN from speculating, though, Kevin. <laughs> right. It, it's possible to get a blanket pardon. Generally, I think I think uh, Trump gave a few of those out himself on his way out the door. But but usually it's in response to specific charges being brought, and sometimes it's in response to a conviction. Uh, indictment is brought, uh, trial is held, or the defendant pleads guilty, and there's a sentence, and the sentence is imposed, and then uh, and only then is a pardon sometimes issued. That's generally how it's done, and, and we're obviously a long way from that point. But you're right, the pros and cons are, are, are difficult. You could say that pardoning him would put this matter behind us. Would it, though? <laughs> Who knows? But it would help. Well, but that was the, the hand, rationale yeah. that Gerald Ford used. Correct. And, and in many ways, it did work out that way, although it cost Gerald Ford the re-election. It's been said, yes. It, it uh, probably did have a blowback he didn't anticipate. Um, Biden um, might have the same concerns, because, as you can gather from the, the press and, and the coverage of this whole affair, many, many people who are Democrat-leaning uh, would be bitterly disappointed if Trump were let off the hook, especially if he were indicted of a very serious crimes, which you have to assume would be the case. You have to assume the Department of Justice would not move forward unless the um, alleged crimes were serious, serious enough to indict former president. Do you have a sense for... Um how the FBI was able to get a warrant to to go into Mar-a-Lago, which, um, of course, the former president referred to often as the Southern White House. Right. It 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 it. They did apparently execute the search warrant in his compound, sometimes described as his home, which included his personal safe, his office, other places. That's pretty sensitive. That's a pretty sensitive location, especially when you're talking about a former president. So the evidence must have been strong. I I can't imagine the Department of Justice would have acted in this case unless they had strong, indeed shocking evidence of serious wrongdoing involving what we really don't know. It has something to do with these records. Yeah, but there's this is not uh, just what, about record keeping. This is about something else. This Twelve or fourteen else. cartons of uh, documents, which many of which uh, have been suspected of being uh, top secret. Um, 
and is how unusual is that for a former president to have documents that might be considered sensitive, um, as especially when plans are being made for presidential libraries and museums and so on? Well, the National Archives folks, who are the people in charge of this kind of thing, say it's very unusual. Usually the presidents leave the files of the White House and the executive branch in good order, and what uh, Trump apparently did was just take 14 or 15 boxes. Uh, the, the Archives folks reached out to him. They went out and had a meeting. They took some materials back, but I've, I've read that they weren't satisfied with the uh, with the arrangement that was voluntarily reached, and apparently believed that some important documents were held back by Trump. Now, what those documents are, sitting here, we have no idea. But again, right. these documents would have had to have been significant, perhaps from a national security perspective. Uh, perhaps this involved uh, the transfer, or possible transfer of documents to third parties, uh, even uh, pe- people or countries who would be classified as not friendly to the United States. Something along those lines. I'm only speculating now, but it had to have been it had to have been a serious matter, not just a bookkeeping issue. Where, gee, the archives people say they they're entitled to the documents and Trump says no 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 they're mine that by itself wouldn't have triggered something like this that happened last night we just don't know what it is yet but i assume we'll learn in due course that's generally the case it takes a few days to to get all the rest of the story and the rest of the details um there's an affidavit, by the way, that would have supported the search. A search of this kind would have had to have been extensively supported. And uh, the government would have had to have gone to a judge, an independent uh, court, and persuaded him or her that there was probable cause to execute the search. All that information is in the um, application for the search warrant, but that and this is typical in criminal cases, that application is sealed and private and will be until or unless there is uh, an indictment brought based on the information that they've uncovered. You know, I want to get into, uh, Kevin, and talk about the connection between um, the hearings, or I've been calling them presentations, and we'll get into all that, by the the select uh, January 6th committee. Um, and and this, well, I guess, I guess you could call it a raid, uh, but certainly the uh, exercising of this warrant at Mar-a-Lago, and, and if those two things are connected, and I want... Um, if, if you don't mind speculating some more, sure. I'd like to pick your brain. But I have to take a short break here, Kevin. Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can dig Absolutely. in some more? Okay. Absolutely. My guest is uh, attorney Kevin O'Brien. He is uh, a former assistant U.S. attorney to the Department of Justice and uh, practices law currently in New York. And we're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If... Uh, you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com. We have some messages as well, so don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. 
There's more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom What are you doing? Oh, you know, just, um, attorney general stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So, listen... We just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards, and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam? Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dana, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. 
I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation with uh, former assistant uh, U.S. attorney to the Department of Justice and uh, white-collar criminal defense attorney uh, Kevin O'Brien. He joins me by phone. Kevin, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. My pleasure, Tom. Enjoyed your commercials. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> um, but let's let's talk about um, a, a DOJ indictment. A lot of people are wondering where this, uh, where these hearings are led, especially in the wake of two failed impeachment attempts against uh, Donald Trump. Um, what are the chances, and and I'm not sure, do we call what we've been seeing on television hearings, or I've been calling them presentations because it's almost as if the hearings are going on behind closed doors, and then we see videotape and live presentations of what the, the, of the information they've already gathered. I'm not sure what to call them. Right. Uh they are a mix of a traditional <laughs> hearing where you have people sitting there often for lengthy periods of time uh, with uh, excerpts uh, and audiovisuals. Uh, the shot of uh, Josh Hawley running out of the building, which was repeated several times, at least once in slow motion. That was an example of an effective uh, audiovisual, I thought. Well, uh, and, and, and how many effective. times did we see Bill Barr say BS? Right. That's been played <laughs> a number of times. True. Yeah. That's, that's true. Uh, they definitely have a message, the committee does. Um, but they've, I think, been effective. I, I think, I think uh, people are watching, and in some in, cases, in what their way? minds have been persuaded. In in what way have they been effective, um, Kevin? Because it seems that that people who um, were Trump supporters are still Trump supporters, and and uh, election deniers, and the people that um, didn't like the president. Um, are are still the same people. I think there's been some movement in the polls, but you're right. I don't want to exaggerate that. For the most part, the positions of the people in the country, the polarization um, remains. But it's trickling down that there's a serious problem with what happened on January 6th. And I don't think it would be surprising if indictments at the upper levels were to issue as a result of the hearings. And in Was a way, it significant that a number of the people we saw testify were Republicans and or people who served in the Trump administration? Yes, and I think that was an attempt made by the committee, again, to try to reach out beyond the diehard uh, Democrats in the audience to other people, particularly independents. Uh, you know, dyed in the wool Republicans may not change their view, but there is a large group of 
semi-affiliated or independent voters that uh, I'm sure the committee would like to reach. And I think they're having some effect in that sector. Be that as it may, they don't decide whether anyone gets indicted. We should be clear about that. They can they can make a referral, as we've discussed, which is not binding. It's just a recommendation, as you called it. And it's up to the Justice Department to decide who, uh, if anyone, gets indicted, whether for this, the January 6th affair, or what's going on with the records. And again, we don't know much about what is going on. But it's a question for a grand jury. And once you talk about a grand jury, you're on a whole different world because the powers of the grand jury are, uh, are so great. Uh, they can compel people to testify. Um, they can uh, gather documents from anywhere in the United States under uh, a compulsory process. They can move things in a, along in a way that no congressional hearing um, can do. Congressional well, hearing, congressional subpoenas are often ignored. We know that in this case, but a grand jury subpoena is not ignored. Do you think the FBI uh, search at, at Mar-a-Lago is connected to the the work of the January sixth committee in any way, or? Are there two different things going on here at the same time? That's a good question. Uh, I think there are different things going on. It's my understanding that I kind of do too. But we're, you know, of course, Kevin, we're just speculating. Right. We don't. You're absolutely right. But it's my understanding from news accounts that the dispute over the records predates uh, by quite a bit. Um, the affairs of the January 6th committee. Nevertheless, there could be an indirect connection in the following respect. One thing the committee's done is acted as a magnet for people with information to come forward. Best example, of course, is Cassidy Hutchinson, who's a loyal Republican aide and then became the star witness uh, against his, her former uh, superiors. Uh, if people like that come forward with information, that could very well have aided the Justice Department probe into what happened with the with the uh, presidential records. It's a possibility. I have no evidence for right. it. But well, generally, I, where there's smoke, there's fire. One thing I want to get you to comment on, because you've used the phrase diehard Republicans a couple of times, um, if if a diehard Republican and a diehard Trump supporter are the same thing. Oh, that's a little bit off my uh, reservation. Uh, <laughs> not a political expert, but it, it's certainly the case that the most vocal um, Republican partisans these days are also Trump supporters. There are, of course, people that... Uh, uh, claim loyalty to the Republican Party who are anti-Trump, or at least non-Trump, let's say. And, uh, well, of Liz course Cheney, we're talking Liz about... Cheney being a good example. But, and and Kinzinger, Mitt Romney. Right. Um, and and there are a few others. Um, well, about 10, I, I think, uh, Trump supporters. Yeah, in Congress, you're with. right. Not that many. <laughs> can count them on, on two hands. You're right. right. Um what does Trump do at this point to defend himself? What does he have? 
Well, from a legal point of view, he needs a, a good legal team. Um, That's not Rudy Giuliani? It's not Rudy Giuliani. I can say, <laughs> I can say that with some assurance since he's, since he's compromised himself, among other reasons. But um, he needs a good legal team, and they need to get in there and start having discussions with the Department of Justice. What is this about? Uh, you're talking about a former president... You're talking about uh, the execution of a search, what Trump called the other day a raid on his home. How can you justify this kind of behavior? Tell us what's at stake. Tell us what documents you have. Tell us what we can do um, to clarify the situation. You don't want to make a mistake when you're talking about indicting former president. And try to get a dialogue going that way. It's going to be very hard. Um, the other thing Trump is already doing, this is, this is not legal at all, but he's, he's already out there trying to um, turn himself into a martyr as a way of uh, furthering his uh, political fortunes. Presumably, if he wants to run next time, he's going to have to use this to generate popular support and, uh, and also raise uh, funds off of. And he started that process already. And there he doesn't need much help from lawyers. He's very adept. And uh, we've seen that already in the statements he's made. What can we expect going forward? Are we going to see um, more hearings? And is the DOJ likely to... Um, or, or the FBI, for that matter, I'm thinking of the Comey days, have a press release and, and, uh, or a press conference and, and share what they learned? Uh, that was the, the Comey era, and it was, <laughs> un, it was unfortunate. The FBI shouldn't be in the business of holding press releases until and unless there's an indictment. And it's customary when there is an indictment for the prosecutors involved and the FBI agents involved to stand around a microphone and answer questions in a very circumscribed way. They're not allowed to prejudice the public uh, about the indictment that they've just issued. Uh, and other than that, they shouldn't be making press statements. So I would expect until that happens and unless it happens it may never happen none of these cases are clear uh, even the january 6th case is difficult and has all sorts of obstacles and questions but until that happens unless that happens um, we shouldn't be getting public statements from the fbi or the department of justice even in the face of countless repeated provocative, inflammatory statements from President Trump. He's allowed to do that. He's a private citizen. Uh, the FBI and the Department of Justice are not allowed to do that. What are the chances uh, of, of seeing a criminal charge emerge in the very near future, and how would that impact uh, uh, upcoming uh, hearings or the continuation of the, the hearings we've already seen? Well, no one has a, a 
sound way to answer that question, Tom. There's a lot of speculation. But you have to conclude, if you're talking about not just one investigation, but several, uh, the Department of Justice investigation related to January 6th, we know there is such an investigation. The Department of Justice investigation pertaining to the unreturned presidential documents, we know there is now, as of yesterday, there is such an investigation. Uh, the civil investigation in New York State, which is ongoing, we, we know about that investigation. There is a grand jury investigation in Georgia being conducted by state prosecutors, again, not federal, but state prosecutors who are free to do as they wish. They're not subject to Department of Justice guidelines or control. Um, so all these investigations, and there's the January 6th committee, which um, is going to hold more hearings starting in September, they say, uh, and which, again, uh, is a, sort of a magnet for evidence, potential evidence. When you look at all these things, you've got to conclude that somewhere along the line, this is going to mean um, criminal exposure for President Trump and his uh, high-level people, just as a question of probability. It's unlikely that all of these things are going to go away. When... When you were at the Justice Department, um, it was it was during the Trump presidency. Uh, no, I'm a. I, I thanks for the uh, compliment, but Tom, I'm a lot older than that. I was uh, I was actually I was actually a uh, assistant U.S. attorney under the end of the Reagan era and into the following uh, administration. Um, and uh, I did not serve under President Trump, but I know a number of people who did, including a couple close friends. I don't know where I got that impression um, that it was uh, during the, the Trump presidency. No, I, may, I sound youthful, perhaps. That's the only explanation. <laughs> and then you were probably there when my good friend Mark Everson was... Knock it around in those days. You know, that name rings a bell, actually. Well, at one point, he was the head of the IRS. Ah, sure. You're right. You're right. And uh, Mar Mark is a regular on the show. Um, okay. And uh, um, one of my favorite people, when Trump was campaigning, saying he was going to drain the swamp, um, I remember Mark saying that uh, the swamp consisted of... Uh, a lot of government employees who, you know, were lifelong public servants who just tried to make the trains go on time. Right. <laughs> I, I, I think that's a sound point of view. Um, uh, as we found out during COVID, it's important to have knowledgeable people in our government doing their jobs and doing it without political interference. How much impact... Um, did the uh, the departures after January 6th have on what will happen going forward? Uh, the departures of whom, specifically? Key staff people. 
people from um, the communications office, people from the Department of Justice, um, you, you know, some some of the the um, higher ranking officials. And yeah, I'm some, thinking even a couple of cabinet members. Yeah, some people have left. I I think I mean that's normal when a new administration comes in. If anything, I think the Biden folks have been. Uh, have dealt with that issue with a light hand. They haven't. They haven't really um, executed purges of people who might have served under the prior administration. A good case in point is the IG for Homeland Security, who's now on the hot seat for having destroyed all those text messages from Secret Service agents and other people during the critical period of January 6th and afterwards. Uh, is that a symptom? Called, people have called. He's a he's a Trump appointee, and people have said his his uh, his head should be uh, severed from his neck. But so far, uh, there's been no move by the. That's an interesting uh, interesting development. Um, is is that a uh, a consequence of of the technology that we have now? Um, I don't remember Secret Service being required to produce documents, reports, records for other investigations in the past. That could be a function of our technological age. You're right, Tom. I mean, in my day, I worked with Secret Service quite a bit as a prosecutor because they have jurisdiction over certain kinds of cases like counterfeit. Right, right. Um, they uh, they didn't have cell phones, so you didn't have to worry about that. But now I assume, given the laws that govern uh, the retention of documents, that their the contents of their phones are, are subject to those requirements, just like uh, those of uh, all other executive branch employees. But that's a new say. expectation that was never yes. put on the Secret Service before. Yes, that could very well be. And it's it's um, it's it's a little troubling. It's almost as if the technology has put them in a position of of committing these acts um, in, in an attempt to to try and make things like they used to be, um, but but violating the rules in the process. Right. Uh, it does it does create problems, although in this case um, the allegations go a step further because the the claim is that uh, <laughs> a request came for these records, right, right, and then the IG had them destroyed. <laughs> it's kind of hard to argue that that was an innocent uh, cleanup of files uh, because you ran out of space or something like that. So, but we'll have to see how that. Or just cool. the normal turnover of equipment and so exactly. on. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, what What are the things we should be uh, watching and paying attention to going forward? Well, uh, you know the the wheels of the grand jury uh, process uh, uh, grind slowly, but they grind exceedingly fine to paraphrase someone. So we will see some activity there with respect to one or more of these investigations that we've been discussing. 
As for the January 6th committee, I think the major issue that's still open is the degree to which President Trump was coordinating um, his actions with those of the leaders of the insurrection. It's one thing to have a plan to, you know, have Mike Pence... uh, substitute new electors in the in the electoral college process and overthrow the slate appointed you know by the states themselves uh, it's another thing to to foment or encourage or coordinate a riot and so far the the committee hasn't made that latter connection which would truly be shocking now maybe the connection isn't there and this poses a difficulty for possible prosecutions with respect to the events of January 6th. But I think that's a large open issue that I think the committee is going to try to answer. Um, again, the committee is not a grand jury. They don't have the powers of a grand jury. They can't compel testimony. They can't immunize witnesses. Um, they can't act swiftly. Uh, and uh, all this sort of hinders their ability to get to uh, highly sensitive information. But so far they've done a good job notwithstanding those handicaps. So we'll see. I guess we'll find out in September. It it has seemed to a lot of people that Donald Trump was, at at the very least, pouring some gas on the fire, Um, but that was always in his nature. Um, correct. Correct. Does that um, does that constitute an actionable offense? Just the act of stirring the pot. It's a great question. It really is, and I think that is the sixty-four thousand dollar question. If that's the evidence. If they don't, at the end of the day, if they don't have evidence that Trump conspired with the rioters, they certainly have evidence that he, uh, you know, threw fuel on the fire, as you said, uh, and encouraged actions to take place that shouldn't have taken place. Is that enough to indict him of um, criminal conduct? These charges they're considering are very serious. Uh, they amount to sedition, um, although they don't use that. There is a sedition statute. I don't think that's the one they're focusing and, and on. Most but, people, but they amount to sedition. And most people refer to that as, as uh, you know, punishable by death. <laughs> what are the punishment options? Well, I don't think death is one of them. We're not talking about treason here, which is aiding and comforting the enemy. We're not. That's That's off our plate. But these are serious federal statutes, and I, I think they're punishable by up to 15 or 20 years in prison. Well, Kevin, we're going to have to we're going to have to leave it there for now. But I hope you'll come back and talk some more about uh, about this, as especially as events unfold. Um, my guest is uh, Kevin O'Brien. He is uh, a partner with Ford O'Brien Landy LLP in New York, a white collar trial uh, attorney. Kevin, thanks so much for spending this time with me this morning. Tom, thank you. It was a great discussion. I enjoyed it. All right. Take care. Bye. 
And with that, we'll have uh, more of the Tom Sumner program. But first, we're going to let our broadcast partner squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. We'll be right back. Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Cloth or disposable? Paint or wallpaper? Yellow or green? Babies come with lots of decisions. Crib or bassinet? Rocker or glider? So when it comes to protection against diseases, go with the safest, most effective choice. Vaccination. To protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases like measles, meningitis, and whooping cough. That's why nearly all parents choose it. Stroller or carriage, basketball or soccer. So get all the recommended vaccinations for your baby by age two. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. Justin or Justine. Immunizations help give you the power to protect your baby. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hey, why are we stopping? We're going to be late for the show. Mom, Dad, we got to get gas. Not here, you're not. This place is charging an arm and a leg. Look, these days, price swings of 30 or 40 cents per gallon aren't unusual. But when a gas station charges a price way above the price at similar stations, that could be gas gouging. Michigan gas stations sell the correct quality and quantity of gas most of the time. But when a station does try to illegally take advantage of drivers, my office is here to stop them. Stop, Attorney General, and we got a concert to get to! 
I hope she doesn't sit next to us. Narc. This is Attorney General Dana Nessel. If you have information about potential gas gouging, call my office or go online at michigan.gov slash AG. Put those away. We're at a gas station. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Ladies and gentlemen, in Philip Rapp's creation, The Bickersons. Like most married women, Blanche Bickerson is a romanticist. Having talked poor husband John into taking her on a second honeymoon, three o'clock in the morning finds Mrs. Bickerson in the lobby of a small hotel at Niagara Falls. Exhausted and bleary-eyed from the long drive, John Bickerson unloads the luggage outside as his wide-awake wife talks to the night clerk. Let's listen. It doesn't really matter about the room as long as we have a nice view of the falls. Yes, ma'am. I'll bet you don't remember me. No, ma'am. Well, I wouldn't expect you to with all the honeymoon couples you meet. I was here seven years ago. Is that so? Yes. Well, better luck this time. Oh, we're still married to each other. We're just having a second honeymoon. Do many people do that? No, ma'am. I wonder why. I wouldn't know, ma'am. Are you married? No, ma'am. Arthritis makes me walk this way. Will you please sign the register? Oh, I'm sorry. Last time we were here, we had to wait two days for a room. We stayed in a motel in Buffalo. Oh, here you are. Thank you. Is that Bickerson? Yes. Didn't I sign it right? Yes, ma'am. Mrs. John Bickerson and husband. Here's the key. Room 318. There's the automatic elevator over there. We don't have any bellboys at night. Oh, that's all right. I'll go out to the car and get my husband. John, where is he? He's not in the car. I wonder if he took the luggage out of the trunk. Good heavens! John, get out of that trunk, you darned fool! John, John, John! Blanche, 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 shut the door. There's a draft. Come out of that thing. All right, all right, all right. Don't pull. Ow, my hand. Oh, serves you right. Pick up that luggage and straighten yourself up. Ow. I don't want you to go in that nice hotel looking like a ragamuffin. It's a nice muffin. Um, Grab a couple of these bags, will you, Blanche? No. It wouldn't look right on our honeymoon. Come on. Oh, my back. Where's the bellboy? We don't have any at night. Are you the clerk? Yes, sir. Where's the register? I I want a room with a bed. I've already signed it. You've got a room. Good. Where are you going to sleep? Come on, John. Stop dragging your feet. I just drove 2,000 miles for a second honeymoon. Lead me to my room. You had to talk like that in front of the clerk. Oh, let me sleep, will you, Blanche? I'd just like to go one place with you that you didn't embarrass and humiliate me. You've been unbearable since we left home. Keep going. In here? Yes. Pull the bags in so I can shut the door. No windows? No nothing? How much do they get for this broken-down room? This is the elevator. (laughs) Oh, well, push the button or something and get it started. I can't keep my eyes open another minute. I was afraid this would happen. 
I'd hope that going on a second honeymoon would bring us closer together. Can't get much closer than this, unless you throw the luggage out. Every time I want you to be romantic, you're so distant, John. What is keeping us apart? The brown suitcase. What floor are we on? I'm sleepy. You're always sleepy. When you're not sleepy, you're humiliating me. I'll never be able to face that night clerk in the morning. You won't have to. Why not? There'll be a day clerk. Which way is the room? I don't know, and I don't care. I'm going to stay in the elevator. Oh, come on, will you, Blanche? Well, say you're sorry. I'm sorry. Now, where's the room? Right in front of you, 318. Well, open the door before I collapse. Thank heaven. I gotta get some sleep. Well, put the lights on. Don't stumble around in the dark. Don't want to open my eyes. Just aim me at the bed and give me a shove. I'm not going to let you sleep until you undress properly and unpack the luggage. Oh, Blanche, why'd you have to bring so much stuff? You've got as much stuff as I have. I have not. All I brought was my toothbrush and my overnight bottle. You and that bourbon. You wouldn't take five steps away from home without it. Well, I can still remember what happened when we got snowbound in that cabin. That wasn't so terrible. Oh, not much. I had to live for two weeks on nothing but food and water. Don't throw my things around like that. There's no closet. Where shall I put these dresses? In the drawer. Where do you want these drawers? In the dresser. Fold up your pants neatly and put them under the mattress. Okay. Well, take them off first. John, what a fool I was to think you'd change. The second honeymoon was just as big a mistake as our first one. Oh, no, it wasn't. I'm so sorry you made me go on this trip that I could just die. I didn't make you go. You shanghaied me. You even tried to get me to marry you again. Was that such an unreasonable request? Yes, it isn't legal. Why not? A man can't be punished twice for the same crime. Oh, that's too bad about you. How you shame me in front of all my friends. And after I sent the invitations out, too. Well, I wasn't going to have any formal wedding and put out a lot of dough to feed your hungry friends and their squalling brats. There wouldn't have been any brats there at all. How do you know? Because I said plainly on the invitation, Mr. and Mrs. John Bickerson will be married March 9th, no children expected. Put out the lights. I'm never going back to that horrible apartment we live in. I'm going to sit here and stare at the falls forever. Wouldn't hurt you to look at them either, John. I see them every day on the shredded wheat box. How can you be so cynical? I'm glad I have a little romance in my soul. Just the sight of those falls brings back memories. Mm, yeah. Sit up, John. Look at that cascade. Doesn't it remind you of something? Yeah. What, John? I think I left the water running in the bathtub. John, you didn't. Okay, I didn't. Good night, Blanche. I never should have trusted you to lock up. Now I'm really worried. Did you close all of the windows? Close the windows. You didn't leave any lights burning, did you? Uh, no. Did you leave food for the cat? Left enough for a week. What did you leave him? A six-pound tin of corned beef. Did you empty it into a plate? No. Well, how do you expect the cat to eat? I left the can opener on top. Stop worrying about the cat. We should have taken all the animals with us. Poor little canary locked in the cage. Cat can't get out of the house. And who is going to feed the goldfish? Oh, I'll bet they're terribly unhappy. Oh, they're not unhappy. They're having a fine vacation. They are not. They are, too. When I left, the cat was fishing. Fishing? Where? In the goldfish bowl. He was using the canary for bait. John, 
Dickerson. Oh, go to sleep. The canary and the goldfish are fine, and I wish the cat would drop dead. Don't talk like that. I love that cat. When I get home, I'm going to enter him in a cat show. What for? He couldn't win anything. Maybe not, but he'd meet a lot of nice cats. Go to sleep, will you, Blanche? I'm not sleepy. Why don't you sit up and talk to me? Blanche, people don't talk at four in the morning. You talked until five o'clock on our first honeymoon. You kept reciting poetry and telling me how beautiful I was. Do you remember what you said, John? No. You told me your love for me was like a raging inferno. You said you had a fierce fire blazing in your breast like a live coal. What happened to it, John? It's only a clinker now. How can you say such terrible things to me? Blanche, I'm so sleepy, I don't know what I'm saying. I'd like to hear you say things like that to Gloria Gooseby. Can't I even go to Niagara Falls without Gloria Gooseby? The only reason you didn't was because she wouldn't have you. What? You proposed to her 15 times before you proposed to me. You big second fiddle, you. I never proposed to Gloria Gooseby, and you know it. And the next time I see her, I'm going to punch her husband, Leo, right in the nose. What have you got against Leo? He's a better husband than you are. I'm sick of hearing that, too. Leo Gooseby is a cheap, chiseling bum. He is not. He's more generous than you. Would Leo Gooseby give you a new dress? No. Would he give you a new hat? No. Would he give you a mink coat? No. Would you give me a mink coat? No. Why should I give you anything? Leo wouldn't. Stop screaming. You'll wake up the whole hotel. Well, stop goading me. You want me to do nothing but fight, fight, fight. No, I don't. All I do is ask for proof you love me, and you go into a tantrum. Blanche, what more proof do you want? I tell it to you a thousand times a day. I raise a new crop of freckles to spell out I love you. I painted it on all the Burma shave signs. Somebody's at the door, John. Honey? 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 Honey! Madam, this is not a beehive. It's my bedroom. What are people wandering around in the halls this time of night? Don't be so crabby. It's probably some nice little bride who can't find her husband. Maybe he's lost. He isn't lost. He's hiding. Put out the lights, will you, Blanche? I've got a vile headache. Nobody told you to yell your brains out. Good night. If you just stand here and look at the falls for a few minutes... Your headache will go away and you'll sleep fine. Where does all that water come from? I once read it goes over at the rate of 346,000 gallons a second. John? Yeah? Are the falls higher on the American side or on the Canadian side? I don't know. I'll have to find out in the morning. What a majestic spectacle. I'm convinced there's nothing in the world like Niagara Falls. Except you, Blanche. Really, John? Why do you say that? Because you never dry up either. Good night, John. Isolated life ain't all that bad Are we 
Alexander Zanjic, don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 